really technical and it's really important to find your uh, spot in the bunch and riding as best as you can so that at the end that's a secret to to save energy 270 plus kilometers it's a it's a tough day in the office you start by eating uh, regular stuff like the, the rice cakes and and little paninis and then the later uh, you go the more fluid your nutrition gets so the gels the sport beverages super long days in the saddle they'll definitely be in our san remo suit designed to be super comfortable and very aerodynamic so that way they can save all those watts over you know a seven hour race so that at the end they have, still have that pop in their legs to to go for the sprint and to win Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Castelli podcast. I'm your host, Søren Jensen, and today we have a very special episode dedicated to the highly anticipated Road World Championships held in Glasgow, Scotland, starting officially Thursday, August the 3rd and running for a full 11 days until August the 13th. Joining us today, we have Team Italia's very experienced leader, Matteo Trentin, with eight Road World Championships under his belt. Danny Hofstetter, a professional sports nutritionist, will give us his insight on how to face such a long and a demanding race as the elite men's road race. Last but not least, our third guest is Castelli's in-house race performance product specialist who will give us some insight into what the Italian team will have in the cycling clothing arsenal for Sunday. But before we dive into the interviews, let me first give you a brief overview of the event, race course and ferrets. There are 13 world championships across seven disciplines up for grabs in Scotland. There will also be more than 200 rainbow jerseys awarded to over 2,600 athletes. So some very exciting days are ahead of us. But in this episode, we'll cover the elite men's race, which will come first this year to give equal space for the women to recover for their edition of the Tour de France. It will be quite an opening show around and in Glasgow this weekend. On Saturday, we'll have the junior men's road race as a preview before the big showdown on Sunday, the men's elite race. The race course is described as a puncture's paradise, with a 14.3 kilometer finishing circuit that includes a steep climb on every lap in Glasgow. The men's road race covers 271 kilometers and includes 3,570 meters of climbing. After racing 120 kilometers from Edinburgh to Glasgow, including the climb of the Crow Road, which is 5.8 kilometers at 10%, the race ends with 10 technical and punchy laps in Glasgow. The 14km circuit includes 207 meters of climbing per lap. It features 42 corners and plenty of road furniture, with rarely a straight piece of road inside. This is likely to string out the peloton and make it difficult to move up. At 1.5km to go, we have the Montreux Street Climb, which is 200 meters long averages almost 11% and should provide a perfect place to launch an attack. And looking at the weather forecast, it looks to be a cause for the real classics hard men, as rain is expected and temperatures hovering around 16 degrees Celsius. With the course and the weather, we should see an extremely reduced peloton at the end of the race, likely with under 30 riders battling for the win. Now let's take a look at the race favorites. 
Giving Remco Evenepoel's recent win in the Classic at San Sebastian, and with the weather and a course similar to Liege-Bastogne-Liege, which he won in April, Evenepoel leads a long list of favorites for Sunday's race, which is expected to be hot, damp and a cold day in Glasgow. Belgium is going in with a power-packed team of three leaders. Apart from Remco, they have Jasper Philipsen and Wout van Aert, while the Dutch team in orange for sure will rally around Mathieu van der Poel, who's coming off a strong Tour de France and will for sure embrace a course as challenging as Glasgow. But also watch out for the Danes. Mas Pedersen won his first world title in Yorkshire in 19 and will love this kind of weather and the course. He will be supported by Askren, Skelmoser and Magnus Kort among the favorites. And then we have Julien Alain-Philippe, Christophe Laporte for France, Nilsson Paulus, Ben Haley, Magnus Sheffield, Michael Matthew and the list goes on. So many names to mention for what will be a fight of attrition through Scotland this Sunday in the Elite Men's Road World Championships. But we are still missing one important team, the Squadra Azzurra, Team Italia. Italy has been one of the most successful nations in the history of the lead road races at the World Championships, with the women's team securing six titles since 1957 and the men's 19 titles since 1927. And leading the Italian team with the support of Alberto Bettiol, Daniel Oss and other five riders, we have probably the most experienced rider, especially on the Glasgow course. A rider who won the 2018 European Championship in a sprint finish up against Mathieu van der Poel and Wout van Aert in a rain-soaked race. Let's welcome Matteo Trentin. Matteo, welcome back from the tour. Thanks for taking the time to jump on the Castelli podcast here with us. You completed the Road Worlds in the men's elite category eight times since 2012. And imagine it's the only world champions I, I ever done on the on the road race. I never been in the worlds before as an amateur, as junior. I did a lot of worlds in uh, cyclocross. Yeah, but that's it. Wow, which one was your best one up till now? Was that the second place in 2019? Okay, I was second in um, Yorkshire 2019. Then I was fourth in Bergen. And I was fifth in uh, last year in Australia. Correct. And now looking ahead for Sunday, where you'll be back racing in Glasgow, where you have some good memories from after you won the 2018 European Championship ahead of the likes of Mathieu van der Poel and Wout van Aert in a wet and slippery conditions, I remember. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a kind of a going back in the one of the nice place of my career. <laughs> yeah. uh, that European was super wet and uh, rain from the start to the finish and it was actually pretty long too it was 204 it was the last very long European the UA uh, put together right after that year they decided to have uh, like a shorter but more uh, explosive race it was, it was a really nice day for us for me in particular uh, let's try to go on this uh, on the line to, to try to replicate. Yeah, that would be a dream come true. And uh, we'll definitely all of us be, be cheering for you on Sunday. But also back in 2018, it was a long, as you said, 200 and what did you say, 30 kilometers. But you guys were out for almost six hours in wet and slippery conditions. So hopefully the weather will be nicer. But would that come into your favor? Or do you rather prefer like a wet conditions and really a hard race like in 2018? Let's say when I won the European was actually one week after. So it's the same it's the same period of time because I think it was the 12th of August, if I'm correct. I think you're right, yeah. And if I'm not, it was the week before. So. 
actually the same week in period of time. Uh, it was raining anyway because I think that they rain actually 360 days a year and the other <laughs> 65 is that the other five days is cloudy. Uh, the temperature was okay. To be honest, was warm, but it wasn't, you know, it was not this, this uh, kind of spring rain you can have in the classics or this autumn rain you can have by October. Yeah. Where you're actually freezing time by time. If it's raining, if it's raining, if it's not raining, it's not raining. Correct. I'm not concerned about the weather. No. And again, I mean, it's going to be definitely a long course, 271 kilometers with almost 3,600 meters of climbing. I think you guys will start out from Edinburgh and then ride in 120 kilometers into Glasgow, where then you will do 151 kilometers. Yeah. 10 laps. In the center. And that's going to be more the... Oh, yeah. The most hard thing. Because this is not actually the... The altitude uh, that we're gonna have in the woods is it's a lot, but it's nothing too much. Yeah, it's a kind of a uh, right number, but you don't have many many climbs. Just like maybe one climb in the circuit, right? The Montrose Street climb, or a couple of climbs in the circuit, just the up and down, up and down, up and down. And I think the most it will be when you hit the circuit is gonna be like one million corners yeah. so probably the straight the longest straight will be three four hundred meters oh yeah proper classic race yeah yeah because the technical nature of the circuit i mean i was just reading up on it this morning with a bunch of turns i think there are 42 corners per lap that makes it to 420 corners out of 10 laps and a lot of road furnitures and yeah, no, all that would definitely impact on on the outcome of the race. Yeah. Uh, so no matter if it's a dry day, a wet day, it will definitely be extremely hard and uh, and stressful for everyone in the pack. Yeah, of course. Uh, and also, you know, you are in the city. Yeah. So the street can be big, but at the end, when you have a 90 degrees corner, which we're gonna have, like, I think like 90% of the corners are 90 degrees corners. So it's uh, it started coming pretty technical and. It's really important to find your uh, spot in the bunch and riding as best as you can because then at the end, that's a secret to to save energy. Yeah. Because at the end, 270 plus kilometers, it's a it's a tough day in the office. It's a very tough day, yeah. But but also then for you, I mean, your main goal is to sit in the bunch, not waste too much energy, making sure that you hydrate and you eat enough until. The race really went on for but when do you think that the race will on for there will be the breakaway that will go away but when it's time for you to step in i mean if, is that within the last 50 kilometers i mean it always depends i know depends from from the other from the other national teams i think it's more like uh, really when you see there will be a moment and it will be far from the finish from my point of view mm-hmm. where it's gonna be actually hectic and watch we start to split because if you see the nature of the parkour doesn't allow the bunch to stay together, especially if it's raining. If it doesn't rain, then maybe, you know, it's a little bit better. Right. But if it's raining, I remember the European I won, like 60 to go, the group went away, and we just went. There was nothing anybody else can do because then someone has a teammate, someone has like a, a different interest and, and the group goes. But lately, especially in cycling, the race is more and more far from the finish compared to five, six years ago. Yeah. No, you're right. So the the key thing also for all the teams is to get get a guy in the breakaway early on. But not really early on because the race is long enough. Normally, the, the first early break is not with teams that want to be the final. Mm-hmm. Because also being that right. long, there is uh, the element of surprise. We're actually like pretty much a big team because I think the national team has eight guys. And then the other has seven, and the other has six or so. 
you can be organized, right? So mo most likely like a normal, uh, like a normal race we do with our trading. Uh, but it's gonna be more like using the team to sit in the front, especially when you hit the circuit before it's technical, but it's not too much. Well, the moment you enter the circuit, it's uh, it's game on. It's game on, yeah. And that's hundred and what did I say earlier? Hundred fifty-one kilometers that that are game, game on. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but also then with the yeah, making sure they don't lose the breakaway, and we always have somebody there up front. I don't think the Team Italia will go in and try to control the race. You let it be up to some of the bigger countries like Belgium or the Netherlands, uh, or, or how do you see it? I see Belgium for sure has the, is the country with most talent yeah. inside. I wouldn't see anybody else than Arthur, Enipur, as uh, Philips and leading the team, so they have options for everything. Right. Uh, then you have Wonderful for Dutch. I wouldn't, I would say, okay, you're Danish, so Peterson is. He's coming off the tour with a really strong condition to get in the last Yeah. Uh, then Laporte for the French. Abulde, Ryan, Offa, Anna Philippe in this kind of circuit. Right. And then you have like uh, not of other guys like today, uh, Moritz, all the guys who saw the tour uh, making good move and good, uh, good race. And you know, they fit into a classic parkour. It's a pull in there. Yeah. It's uh, something that is going to be really interesting. It's going to be very interesting. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's going to be a race to to watch from almost. I'm not saying from the start to finish, but almost. Uh, <laughs> the last three hours. Yeah, exactly. Three, four hours. Three, four, four hours. Let's say four. When you guys hit the city center. Yeah. Well, it's going to be exciting. I mean, it's a puncher's paradise, the course here. And do you feel confident coming back to Glasgow and racing? It's not completely the same course, but part of the is the circuit from 2018. Do you feel a bit more confident about it or? Well, I don't care too much. Uh, there is some part are the part of the parkour of 2018. Mm -hmm. Some other change that the finish is different, for example. We don't go in the park anymore, which is a good choice by the organization. Last time we were there, we pulled from kilometer zero. We just stopped a couple of times for network break, but the bunch was on one line. Right. There is no actually place where you can actually gain position because you are in the back and stay in front. So. Uh, if it's raining, it's gonna be like this. We hit the circuit, a team gonna take control, and that team gonna be more favorite than all the other cities. Then you're sprinting much more in the wheel, and it'll be even more hard. So, how you get over this kind of thing, you're talking to bring the group away. Right. And I think it's gonna be kind of a wash machine, like a group after group after group, until uh, the last six snap, uh, one of the group gonna stay away. It can be a group of 35. And from there, another race start. It's gonna be exciting and, and a very technical and tactical world championships for sure thank you so much Matteo for giving us this insight into the race and also your predictions and the overall plan of what you guys was thinking about doing and executing and what can happen during the race this was uh, this was good it was really good yeah Matteo I don't know if you have anything else to add just watch just watch yeah. first Denmark second and that's perfect <laughs> <laughs> opposite to 2019 is good <laughs> <laughs> exactly that's awesome Matteo well Matteo thank you so much for jumping on uh, the Castelli podcast uh, it was a pleasure to have you here thank you and uh, let's see sometime when you are back in Val di Fiemme if we can go out for a spin together with Pietro that would be awesome yeah Matteo thanks again man all the best of luck for Sunday thank you very much Soren have a good day ciao 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 and now let's have a look what Matteo and the other guys will be wearing on Sunday. And to give us some insight, I've invited our product specialist and keen cyclist Elvin Nordell in the studio. 
But before we dive into the performance enhancing clothing, why don't you first present yourself? Hey, I'm Alvin Nordell. I am the product marketing manager here at Castelli, and part of my job is working with our pro athletes to make sure that they have the, the best equipment um, for racing. Cool. Let's just dive into to the world champs. I mean, it's just around the corner. Oh, I'm so excited. It's going to be, well, that course looks super tough. It's going to be, it's going to be a great way, race to watch. It's going to be a great race to watch. I mean, with 271 kilometers and almost 3,600 meters of elevation. Tough day. It's going to be a tough day. Yeah. And what about weather conditions? And it's Scotland. So, I mean, the weather could really be anything up there. It could be sunny and a nice day, or it could be, you know, full on torrential rain the entire day. So it's going to be one of those, those game time decisions on, uh, on which, which clothing they're going to be wearing. Yeah. So what do you think about what clothing they will be wearing for the beginning, for the first 120 kilometers into Glasgow from Edinburgh? Uh, you know, for the guys who aren't going to be interested in getting into the breakaway, uh, they'll be they'll be dressed up pretty warm, uh, especially if those conditions are more in that 15 degree range. They'll probably have a vest on, some arm warmers, just to 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 save that energy, um, so they can stay nice and nice and warm uh, for that beginning part. And they'll begin to shed clothes off as the day goes on. If it starts raining, those guys for sure. We'll, we'll be in Perfettos or Gabas to start the race and maybe even our Nanoflex knee warmers just to really keep that rain off and, and keep themselves nice and warm. And as the day goes on, yeah, they'll start peeling it off and it'll really depend on the weather. So it's basically also very similar to what we saw in 2018 when Matteo Trentin, he won the European Championships. I remember photos of him in the Gaba there in, in the morning and we might even see something similar here on, on Sunday. Yeah, it could be a repeat of that. Maybe he'll, he'll start off in the Gaba and then go from there. What will uh, the riders then wear underneath the Gaba if they're starting out with a Gaba? What is the main kit? Will they be in the race suits and which one? Yeah, for a day like like that, um, those super long days in the saddle, they'll definitely be in our San Remo suit. So that one's designed to be super comfortable and very aerodynamic. So that way they can save all those watts over you know a seven hour race. So that at the end they have, still have that pop in their legs to to go for the sprint and to win. So they'll have our San Remo suit on, which is the aero jersey with the aero bib short. They're attached, um, so it makes it nice and comfortable and extra aerodynamic. And then also they'll probably wear our fast feet socks. The fast feet socks um, use our aero fabric, so it saves a couple extra watts um, on their feet. So it saves a couple extra watts for them uh, as they go throughout the day. Do you think some riders will opt for shoe covers or like the fast feet shoe covers or in case of rain, something more protective? You know, it really depends on the weather. They might go for our Aero Race shoe cover, which, uh, you know, is nice and arrow, but also sheds water uh, with the fabric that we use. So it'll help keep their feet nice and dry. Or if it turns out it's going to be, um, you know, a, a nicer day out, they might put on the fast feet shoe covers on top of that for that extra arrow advantage. Um, and I've noticed in the races, usually the guys uh, just wear fast feet socks most of the time. But if it's cold in the morning, probably start out with the Aero Race shoe cover. What Aero gains are we talking about? about for the San Remo speed suit and fast feet socks versus a standard jersey and socks? Versus just the normal standard cycling kit. The aero gains are, are pretty substantial. So the, the San Remo suit will save you, you know, three or 4%, which is quite a lot, especially over a seven hour race. Oh yeah, it's a lot, a huge. Quite a bit. 
Um, and then the Aero socks save a couple more percentage uh, on top of that. So, I mean, the whole system can really save you, you know, five, six, seven percent as a, as a total package. And then if you put that in, in, in the perspective of an entire seven hour race, that's a lot of watts that you can save at the end. So you have that extra energy to sprint or go for that breakaway or get away from your competitors right there at the, uh, before the finish line. Yeah. But we're not only talking about marginal gains here. We're talking about something way bigger. Think about in the course of a, of a race in six hours. Yeah, it's funny, you know, just those couple percentage points don't sound like a lot, but when you put it into context of a seven-hour world championship race, it's quite a bit. Yeah. Can you even go a little bit deeper into the aero savings that the riders will gain both wearing the AeroFeed socks and the San Remo suit? Yeah, especially over such a long distance and time in the saddle. We're not only talking about marginal gains here, I mean, we're talking about big gains. Yeah, uh, those are real gains. Yeah, exactly. So what about for the, the national teams? We know that it's a mix of riders suited for that race course that will be participating, but not all of them, of course, coming from a Castelli team like Sudel Quickstep. Has that been a problem for some riders getting into a different seat pad or have they all just felt comfortable with the X2 pad that we use in the San Remo speed suit? You know, for all the riders, really, they really like getting into our kit uh, because the San Remo suit is so comfortable. So they just feel super comfortable on the bike. And then both our X2 Progetto chamois and the Kiss chamois are both great. And the riders enjoy getting into them and really haven't had any issues uh, having to swap back from their trade team kit into their national team kit. They've all been very comfortable and been able to make a pretty seamless transition, maybe even a little happier. Yeah. I know we also have some new exciting and faster developments coming for the Paris Olympics. I'm not sure if you can already unwheel something for us today or if it's too early. For sure. We definitely have a couple couple tricks up our sleeve when it comes to the Olympics. There's There's been a lot of time in the wind tunnel spent uh, working on some new technologies, perfecting some current technologies, especially for those guys on the track uh, to save every single second that they can so they can you know repeat as, as Olympic champions. We've been working really hard on a couple of things. Don't want to let the cat out of the bag yet, but for sure you'll, you'll see a maybe a glimmer of it at the world championships but then um, you know it'll really really come out at the olympics next year anything else the italian national team will have in their cycling clothing arsenal for sunday man really for sunday i think i'd be happy to be on the italian national team because they have such a great quiver of of jackets and gloves and shoe covers and arm warmers uh, to pick from, especially if it's going to be bad weather. I mean, those guys will be really happy from head to toe. Uh, you know, our Perfetto will will uh, protect them if it gets really nasty out. You know, the gobble will be that perfect piece they can still race in and be protected. So that's always great when you can still wear your most protective kit while still being competitive and racing and not taking uh, an, an arrow hit that the goblins are still super aero and then man that san remo suit just it tests so fast all the time so they'll just be they'll be in the best kit all day to, to go for the winning what's particularly exciting about the italian national kit and what castelli supplies to sudel quickstep is that even amateur cyclists can enjoy the exact same performance and aero advantages that we provide to a professional cyclist through the castelli Savicio corsa custom team program and inline collection Yeah, every single piece of kit that the men and women on the Italian national team will be using in the road race is also available in our collections. So you can buy a San Remo, you can buy Fast Feet socks, you can buy Gabas, all out of our collection. And if you want to create a one-piece custom jersey for your weekend rides or more for your training mates, Castilli has just launched a custom solo program. 
If you go to our website, you can use our Castelli Solo Configurator and you can make yourself a, the exact same Aero 6 jersey and free RC bibs that the riders um, on the Italian national team will be using for training and getting ready for the race um, on our website. And you can just make one piece. So if you have a, a favorite design you like or just want to add your own logos to, to a jersey and, and do your own design, you can do that. With just one piece, really small minimums. Absolutely. This is an incredible, cool new offering from Castelli. So head over to our website and click on custom in the menu to discover more details. Alvin, what are your predictions for the lead men's race on Sunday? My predictions for Sunday? I mean, of course, I got to be hoping for, uh, for Matteo Trentin there, uh, you know, being on our team and racing in the Scorpion. But uh, the other side of me too, you know, Sudal has, uh, has Remco Evenepoel, so I'll be pulling for him a bit too. But I think it's going to be a really hard day. It's going to depend on those conditions. And uh, yeah, I'll be excited to watch and excited to find out who wins myself. Indeed, it's going to be an extremely exciting race to watch. Actually, I'll be on holiday in Belgium when the race takes place. So my wife and I will probably watch the last 150 kilometers on the circuit in Glasgow inside one of the many sports bars in Flanders, ensuring the ultimate viewing experience, good company and enjoying some cold Belgian Trappist beers. Well, thanks for taking the time to join us on the podcast. I know you had a busy morning schedule with the product team, but I appreciate you taking the time to share some insights on what the Italian team will be wearing on Sunday. Yeah, no problem. It's always fun to chat kit and especially when it comes to the pros and the world championships get a little extra excited. So it's always, always good to chat about that in the middle of the day if you can. So thanks. Have a good rest of the day and enjoy your ride tonight. I'm sure you'll be heading out for a quick spin after work. Yep. After work ride today, I'm excited. Probably go hit the, hit the hills, do a couple intervals and, and uh, yeah, just enjoy being out. Well, ride safe and uh, hope to see you again sometime soon on a future Castilla podcast. Cool. Thanks. If you're as excited as we are about the world champs and you're cheering for the Italian team or just find the kit at Zura totally amazing, you can always find the kit on our website, castellicycling.com, where you can purchase the Team Italia kit or find it in stores around the world. My name is Danny Hofstetter. Uh, I'm a former professional triathlete. Today, I work as a performance nutritionist with professional and amateur cyclists. And in my spare time, uh, I spend most of the hours in Castelli Bips. Welcome to the pod, Dan. It's an honor to have you here with us today. Let's dive straight into the lead men's race. We know it will be one of the most demanding and challenging world champs courses in a long time. How crucial is nutrition when preparing for a hard race like the world's? We expect a race duration between five hours 45 and 620 depending on on the average speed that the guys are, are hitting and for an event of this duration maximizing your glycogen stores up front so the day before the race or the last two days before the race is is essential um especially if if you have a race like glasgow where the first three hours are probably going to be quite relaxed and then the second half is super hectic like a criterium style racing right. where you don't have time or the energy to stomach uh, complex foods you you start by eating uh, regular stuff like the, the rice cakes and and little paninis and then the later uh, you go the more fluid your nutrition gets so the gels the sport beverages like also the days up to what would the riders usually from your experience what would they prepare what would they eat 
Well, if today is leading up to the race and, and because professional cyclists are used to stomach high volume of food because that's part of their job, so to speak, uh, you can reduce the carbo loading to, to, to the last 24 hours before the race. Okay. Uh, and in this period of time, you make sure that you have not too much fiber in your food. So so-called low residue diet. Yeah. Um, so instead of the whole wheat bread and, and, and the healthy legumes and, 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 and vegetables, you reduce your fiber to a minimum and, and you eat a lot of pasta, a lot of rice, a lot of white bread. Uh, most of the athletes also consume a part of, I mean, we, we speak uh, of, of 700, 800 grams of carbs, that, that's a high amount. Uh, and, and most of the riders also partially consume that through a beverage, their usual sports drink. Mm -hmm. uh, and and in the days before the race, they, they won't have uh, as much riding anymore. So that normally they go for a spin for one or two hours with some leg openers and they don't have a high calorie uh, spending the day before the race. Um, and then that assures with, with uh, having nuts heavy foods like red meat or, or, or a high fatty uh, meal for dinner that um, they feel light, that they don't have too much excess uh, stool in, in, in their bowel, uh, which you want for, for a high intensity race. Right, right. And then crucial is also the last meal before the race. Uh, normally, uh, riders on individual preference uh, eat a heavy or, or a big breakfast two or three hours before the race kicks off. I think the start is around 11, so they, they actually can almost sleep in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and then you go for another two or three grams of carbs that are very, very light on your stomach. So it's again widespread. It it might be kind of a pancake thing with with uh, something with eggs because you want also some light protein there. Um, and as I said, pro cyclists they are used to have uh, a large meal before a race. That's something you need to train as well. Yeah. Um, and then with breakfast, most riders also include some form of oats because oats have a soluble kind of fiber that is, is really soothing for your stomach and your, your, your gut and that uh, has a very good uh, satiety effect. So, so oats are easy on the stomach but give you uh, long energy as well. So that that's normally then pre-race meal and again you want to have a good hydration up front so that you don't start kind of dry or, or partially dehydrated uh, heading into the race because uh, fluid uh, or the, the way they, they consume their calories during the race, most from, from beverage or gels, uh, helps you to, to stay hydrated later, but, but you want to be properly hydrated up front. Yeah. Carbs intake is key, but what about protein? How important is protein intake during the race? Uh, during the race, it's not so necessary. Good. You actually okay. only need sugar, or, or let's, let's keep it in general. You also you only need carbs because protein is is, is prone to cause digestion issues. It, it's digested slower. But the day before, you, you want to hit your protein target, which for an endurance athlete of, of that caliber is probably around 1.7, 1.8 grams per kilogram. 
chicken is, is, is a favorite because it's light and it contains a, a high uh, protein density yeah. and a good quality protein. Uh, white fish is very good. Uh, and then ob obviously some athletes struggle to also kind of hit their protein targets and they use some form of protein supplements, whether this is a whey protein, whether it's a protein bar for dessert, because it gives you a bit of a satiety through the night and, and helps you get through and, and, and wake up less hungry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, as we have to remember that those guys, they are trained to, as what you were Uh, mentioning earlier to yeah. have a big carbon intake up to 120 grams per hour you were saying which is something i think for an amateur it would almost be impossible or you would definitely have to train your stomach for that correct absolutely i mean this is something we train in training well first of all you need to have the proper products to absorb 120 grams you need the right blend uh, of carbohydrate sources mm -hmm. so this is uh, various kind of starches rice starch some beverages are made with potato starch in combination with glucose and fructose and that helps to absorb these high amounts And then to be able to absorb these on the load, because you, you need to know when we're riding our bikes hard, the blood or, or most of the blood is distributed in the working muscles, so in the legs. Um, and and the, the gut area is not so well served with blood. And so that's why we need to train the gut, so to speak, to to stomach these amounts. And that's something that, that cyclists are really trained for. Uh, and compared to, let's say, 10 or 15 years ago, The, the fueling hygiene or, or the awareness is also much better during training. So even if we have to be very light, if we have to be an, uh, insanely lean as, as cyclists, uh, cyclists eat during their training, otherwise they couldn't cope with the volume right. and, and otherwise they, they would get uh, overtrained pretty, pretty quickly. Pretty quickly, yeah. And now when we're talking about cyclists in general, uh, an amateur cyclist, what are the key recommendations when he or she is out there training? Maybe they're racing on the weekends, maybe some are doing some endurance races on the weekend, which is a completely different uh, ballpark or some grand fondos. How important is to train the aspect of eating well, but also when you come home, have your protein shake, get your carbos in right away. Can you maybe give us a few tips for an amateur cyclist to boost his or her performance? Well, 80% of the athletes I work with, they underestimate the energy needs, like their global energy needs. Uh, so so even if, especially endurance athletes that want to, to be lean and light, uh, they, they almost all the time eat not enough uh, calories. So that's something... You need to be aware and, and cyclists have the opportunity to measure their energy expenditure with a power meter. So, so that's something that, that people should do the math uh, up front and say, okay, in, in which uh, magnitude do I need calories in, in my training? And then uh, another thing is they should arrive rested. Uh, right. Most of the amateur athletes train a lot and they, they enter a race fatigued. So there to rest. Uh, and use the resting period, as, as we mentioned before, to maximize your glycogen stores. And then the last uh, two or, or 1.5 things is, is uh, eat enough during the race, uh, train this, as, as we just mentioned before. So up, up your carbohydrate intake for racing to 100, 120 grams, because it's, it's evidence-based 
the athlete, no matter what we talk about, females or male uh, cyclists, the athlete that can stomach more energy during the race mm -hmm. will always have the better result. And then I said one and a half things because it's not only the amount of energy you, you put in, but also the, the blend, how many gels, how much beverage do I consume and Correct. find your, your individual uh, preference and what works for you. And always keep in mind the fluid amount uh, is, is depending on, on how much you sweat, how hot it is. And that's why we dilute beverages in, in climates or, or on days that are warmer than 25 degrees a bit bit more. So, so we have less carbohydrate concentration than when we go to colder areas such as we expect in Glasgow where we can uh, up the carbohydrate concentration up to 12%. Up to 12%, yeah. Because yeah. also, as you said earlier, with the, the 1.8 gram of protein per body weight the days leading up to the race, 1.8 is kind of high. I mean, I know that the recommended daily intake is 0.8 grams, uh, which is probably also more on the lower end of what even a yes. normal person, non-athletic person probably needs a day. Can you give a little bit more insight into why the protein intake also for an amateur cyclist should be higher than the, the, the recommended daily intake? Yes, the, the these 1.8 grams are, are not something that is only important before the race. This is more or less a stable, yeah. uh, a stable amount that you should uh, consume. And the importance is when we train, no matter whether it's cycling, running, so if, if we uh, use our bodies, uh, we damage muscle tissue. Mm -hmm. uh, that's nothing bad, actually. This is the bout we need to super compensate and to get better, whether it's stronger, whether it's more enduring. And and this super compensation process of building muscle, of building mitochondria in your cells to have a more efficient energy metabolism, this needs protein. And if we miss the protein target, we fail to progress accordingly. And, and that's, that's actually a limiting factor in training. And the thing is why we're more keen on the protein uh, consumption for athletes recently is that we found out that it's not very efficient if you have like one big bolus of protein, let's say for your for your dinner after your riding, but you need to spread it out uh, over the day so that you have a constant uh, supply every three to four hours. And this makes the daily meals, whether it's your breakfast, your snack in the morning, your lunch, etc., uh, need to have a certain protein amount and, and that needs certain organization uh, because Eating protein by itself is is, is a positive uh, uh, fit for your body. So uh, next to your training, it's it's a signal. Hey, we can build muscle. We we're on an anabolic uh, terrain here, right. um, and and because cyclists normally have high energy turnovers during the day, um, you also need to make sure that that you give them the the bricks to build these these stronger walls that we want for our for our endurance house, you know, so to speak. And and especially um, one other aspect, uh, and that's probably more for for the keen uh, amateur cyclists or the professionals, since we have to be so lean, and and since this requires often uh, an energy deficit to reach race weight. 
uh, in an energy deficit, we need to even have higher protein consumption. So that this goes up to 2.2, 2.3 grams per kilogram. Per kilogram wow. Because with this, you assure not to lose weight, but to re reduce body fat. And that's that's what you need. Because muscle is, is always the, the, the hardest currency for an athlete, so to speak. And if we want to slim down, losing muscles is, is uh, also reducing your, your performance, obviously. Correct, yeah. You know, make sure that you get a good balance of protein and carbs, but especially the protein intake in the morning is is key. Yes, because after, I mean, most of us, uh, they sleep for, let's say, eight hours uh, and most of us don't eat during the night. So your body sounds dramatic, but it's kind of in a starvation point at this uh, point of time. And when we start the day correctly with the balance of, of sustainable carbs or so slow carbs not just the sugary breakfast cereals but something something that is uh, rich in fiber and starch uh, combined with protein sets us up for a steady day where we're energetically uh, stable and the blood sugar is not just this roller coaster uh, and there I, I recommend a lot of uh, dairy for athletes with their oats or or eggs or maybe even fish so like salmon which which contains uh, also really healthy fats uh, is is a staple for for athletes breakfast and then as you said it's it, it takes a bit of a conscious uh, meal design throughout the day whether it's snacks that contain uh protein sources uh, whether it's meat or or whatnot and and then also i try to to supply the athletes with with real food first mm -hmm. and then if they're on a very busy schedule if they're traveling a lot then you use the supplements the the protein bars the shakes or as we know it from cycling um in the recovery phase so then the first 60 minutes after a hard uh, workout or a race um, there is your open window where you can accelerate recovery a lot by having 1.2 grams of carbs per kilogram body weight and 0.3 grams per kilogram of protein protein yeah and that's most easily done with a supplement because you have the best quality uh it's it's absorbed quickly and and you don't want to kind of fry your chicken breast behind the finish line. That's not very practical, <laughs> is it? No, but then again, also, when you cross the finish line, we all know about that 30 minutes window after you just finished your race or training, where it's key to get those, especially the sugar in or the carbohydrates in. <laughs> what is the best strategy when you finish a hard training workout or a race or grand tour you need to prepare for the following day? Is it to get the sugar in or the carbohydrates in within that 30, 45 minutes window and then go on with the proteins later. But also you don't want to get your proteins too late before hitting the bed because that could also cause mm. a night without too much sleep. It's hard on the stomach to digest the proteins, I think, no? Yes, you're right. Uh, for me, it depends on a little bit on the preference of the athlete. But for me, we always start with a high sugary beverage. Uh, so it's the usual cans that you see behind the finish line yeah. without naming any world known brands <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but but yes uh, it, it's all about sugar uh, and then normally like after maybe let's say 15 20 minutes when when you're not in this kind of hard state of, of, of uh, suffering anymore uh, we make a, a protein shake with water because you can't 
spare milk at this point in time. Mm -hmm. um, so we take a, a whey protein that is uh, one of the best amino acid uh, patterns that you can get. And we we dilute it with water so that it's more drinkable, right. easily, uh, easily stomachable. Uh, and then I think it's it's good to go towards regular meals within the next hour or, or one and a half hours. So, okay. so then you have your, your huge bowls of rice, uh, your chicken breasts, your fish, uh, because then it's also from a, from a flavor fatigue point of view, athletes, especially in a grand tour, you eat these kind of high octane rocket fuels all day. And it's important to have something decent, something salty, something that is a bit, uh, uh, not not in the sweet realm anymore, uh, right. and so regular food is highly appreciated. Yeah, and that's a good thing because most most uh, equipes in in pro cycling have their own chef and have things ready for for this point of time. And also when they travel uh, in the national squads, like now for for the worlds, uh, normally a chef is, is on board and is taking care of of that. Of, of that, yeah. What do you think then as an, as an expert, but also within a race like the Worlds where each rider not racing for his or her own team, what would they have in the moosets that will be handed out? What do you think will be in the bag apart from the energy bars and gels and rice cakes? Would it be something that is different from your experience? I think never change a running system. Uh, Correct. Yeah. Most of the riders try to have their individual product. And I can only speak for, for the Swiss national team. Their uh, riders join the squad uh, up front and, and, and it's discussed, okay, what, what can be administered individually. Uh, but, but normally this is something you don't want to play around with. And so in training or in a preparation camp, uh, this is tested and made sure that every, everything works. Yeah. But you see also uh, when you watch races that athletes pick up a musette and, and they, they toss out 80% of its content because they're not happy with it. So here, even at yeah. this super professional level, you come to a point where you say, okay, either I deal with it or, or, or I just, I, I get hungry and bonk maybe. Yeah. Uh, so, so that it kind of comes down to the everyday survival. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's interesting. It's uh, I mean, all of this is, well, it's all science, but it's, it's also, something i think for a lot of people uh, including myself a lot of amateurs alike those are the things that we think a lot about we go and search on the internet but there's so many different kinds of information that's why it's important to have someone like yourself an expert to help and guide you give you a plan uh, that is also easy to follow that would be adapted to your you know your daily life then before we wrap up this interview can you just tell us where people can find you Yes, uh, so my website uh, is, is the easiest point to, to get access to me. It's uh, ch. It's a bit a mouthful because it's obviously a Swiss name. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I'm sure if you have the link in the show notes, people, people will see it. Then thank you so awesome. much. Thank you, sir. <laughs> and uh, looking forward to see you again sometime soon. And then fingers crossed for the Squadra Azzurra on Sunday. 
Well, thanks for having me, Søren. Uh, all the best of luck for all the riders in Glasgow and enjoy the race. The full interview with Dan lasted almost one hour. So stay tuned for a future episode where we will bring you all the tips and tricks from Dan on how to boost your performance. Thanks to Matteo, Elvin and Dan for joining the Castelli Show and sharing their experience, insights and predictions for Sunday. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe, give us a five-star rating to help us be seen by other cyclists in the algorithm. And if you have a Castelli product-related question or topic you would like us to take up on a future episode, email us from the contact form on the Castelli website, DM us on Insta or Facebook, or you can also submit your question through the Q&A on the Spotify app. Good luck to everyone racing in Glasgow and see you soon.